Welcome to Manna for Breakfast, the daily Bible reading devotional which chronologically takes you through the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation in one year. Grab a cup of coffee and your Bible and join us as we journey together through God's Word. So it is June the 10th and it's nice to have you guys with us. And we are um, enjoying a beautiful morning overcast here. A little bit warm in the house, but it's uh, got things cooling down here right now in the radio room. And I was just commenting that I love looking at some of the interesting things that happens in history. Some of the things I don't normally think about. Um, Benjamin Franklin, this article on June 10th, 1752. This is when he reportedly did his kite flying experiment. And he said when he had the kite flyer, it doesn't say that he did this, had someone hold the kite string going up to a silk string, I guess to make sure it wasn't conducting any electricity, tied a key up around the kite. They stood under a shelter so that he and the silk string stayed dry. Now maybe he was the kite flyer, just as the kite flyer protecting them from the electric charge. He didn't think about that. He thought about that, that water conducts electricity, stood under a shelter to make sure that he wouldn't uh, get wet. And the article says it was unlikely that the kite was struck by lightning, as this would have probably seriously injured Franklin, but simply gathered electricity from the storm as Franklin predicted. So that's how he figured out that lightning was in fact electricity. I mean, it seems obvious, but in Back in those days, in the 1752, they they needed to test that theory. Salem Witch Trials, June 10th, 1692. Bridget Bishop is hanged for witchcraft, making her the first of 20 people executed in 1692 for witchcraft in Salem, Massachusetts. She was accused of bewitching five young women who claimed the shape of Bishop would pinch, choke, and bite them. She was also accused of dressing more artistically than the women of the village and using colored lace in playing shovelboard, both signs of consorting with the devil. So ladies, do not use colored lace. <laughs> You're consorting with the devil. Mm-hmm. Okay. Alcoholics Anonymous, June 10th, 1935. Bill Wilson had his last drink. He contacted Bob Smith to help him resist the temptation to drink, leading to their starting Alcoholics Anonymous. This is the day AA uses as its anniversary. Wilson had his first drink in 1917, claiming, I found the elixir of life. However, his drinking quickly got out of hand and he failed to graduate from law school because he was too drunk to pick up his diploma. Uh, He uh, achieved sobriety when he had a religious experience after asking God to help him get sober. He went on to co-found Alcoholics Anonymous, helping thousands of others to achieve sobriety. I would say hundreds of thousands. Um, as a proof of his desire never to never to drink would go away on his deathbed, Wilson asked for a shot of whiskey. His nurse refused the request. Wilson, a heavy smoker, died of emphysema at age 75. Interesting. But he apparently got saved, and by that started Alcoholics Anonymous, which was very Christ-centered in the beginning. Okay, on to the dad jokes here. Um, what, what's a computer's favorite snack? That's easy. Microchips. 
Here's another one. Um, why don't you trust trees as you're walking through the forest? Well, because they seem kind of shady. When my wife is depressed, I let her color my tattoos. She just wants a shoulder to crayon. Okay. Let's move over to the reading for this morning. We are in First Chronicles 15. Find your place. We'll get started. Thank you, God, for this time. Thank you for guiding and directing us, giving us phenomenal times in your, in your word for getting us this far, God, halfway through. We are thankful for it, and we ask you to continue to guide and direct us as we move through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Now David built houses for himself in the city of David, and he prepared a place for the ark of God and pitched a tent um, for it. Then David said, No one is to carry the ark of God but the Levites, for the Lord chose them to carry the ark of God to minister to him forever. And David assembled all Israel at Jerusalem to bring up the ark of the Lord to its place, which he had prepared for it. Then we gathered together the sons of Aaron and the Levites and the sons of Koath, Uriel, the chief, and 120 of his relatives, of the sons of Merari, Asaiah, the chief, 220 of his relatives, the sons of Gershom, Joel, the chief, 130 of his relatives, the sons of Elisaphan, Shemaiah, the chief, 200 of his relatives, the sons of Hebron, Eliel, the chief, and 80 of his relatives, the sons of Uziel, Aminadab, his chief, and 112 of his relatives. Then David called for Zadok and Abiathar the priest, and for the Levites, and Uriel, and Esaiah, Joel, Shemaiah, Eliel, and Aminadab, and said to them, You are the heads of the fathers, households of the Levites. Consecrate yourselves, both you and your relatives, that you may bring up the ark of the Lord of Israel to a place that I have prepared for it. Because you did not carry it at first, the Lord our God made an outburst on us, for we did not seek him according to his ordinance. So the priests and the Levites consecrated themselves to bring up the ark of the Lord God of Israel. The sons of the Levites carried the ark of God on their shoulders with the poles thereon, as Moses had commanded according to the word of the Lord. Then David spoke to the chiefs of the Levites to appoint the relatives the singers with instruments of music, harps, lyres, loud sounding cymbals, raised sounds of joy. So the Levites appointed Haman, the son of Joel, from his relatives, Asaph, the son of Berechiah, and from the sons of Merari, the relatives, Ethan, the son of Cushaiah, and with them the relatives of the second rank, Zerachiah, Ben, Haziel, Shemairoth, Haliel, Uni, Eliab, Benaniah, Masiah, Matathia, Elelehu, Mekaniah, Obed Edom, and Jeliel, the gatekeepers. To the singers, Haman, Asaph, Ethan were appointed to sound loud cymbals of bronze, and Zechariah, Aziel, Shimmer, Shiramoth, Jael, Uni, Eliab, Messiah, Benaniah, with harps tuned to Alamoth, 
en Mithania Eliehu Mekania Obed Edom Jeliel and Azaziah to lead the liars tuned to the Shemneath. Chenaniah, chief of the Levites, was in charge of the singing. He gave instruction in singing because he was skillful. Berechiah and Elkanah were gatekeepers for the ark. Shebaniah, Josephat, Nathanael, Amasiah, Zachariah, Benaniah, Eliezer, the priest, blew the trumpets before the ark of God. Obed-Edom and Jeniah also were gatekeepers of the ark. So it was David with the elders of Israel and the captains over thousands who went to bring up the ark of the covenant of the Lord from the house of Obed-Edom with joy because God was helping the Levites who were carrying the ark of the covenant of the Lord who who sacrificed seven bulls and seven rams. Now David was clothed with a robe of fine linen with all the Levites who were carrying the ark and the singers and Chenaniah, the leader of the singing with the singers. David also wore an ephod of linen. Thus all Israel brought up the ark of the covenant of the Lord with shouting, with the sound of the horn, with trumpets, with loud sounding cymbals, with harps and lyres. It happened when the ark of the covenant of the Lord came to the city of David that Michael, the daughter of Saul, looked out of the window and saw David leaping and celebrating, and she despised him in her heart. Chapter 16, the tent of the ark. Now they brought the ark of God and placed it in the tent which David had pitched for it. And they offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before God. When David had finished offering the burnt offerings and the peace offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord. He distributed to everyone of Israel, both men and women, to everyone a loaf of bread and a portion of meat and a raisin cake. He appointed some of the Levites as ministers before the ark of the Lord, even to celebrate and to thank and praise the Lord God of Israel. Asaph, the chief, the second to him, Zechariah, and Jeliel, Shimarath, Jeliel, Metathiah, Eliab, Benaniah, Obed-Edom, Jael, with musical instruments, harps, lyres, also Asaph played loud sounding cymbals, Benaniah and Jaziel, the priest blew trumpets continually before the ark of the covenant of God. Then on that day, David first assigned Asaph and his relatives to give thanks to the Lord. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the people, sing to him, sing praise to him, speak of his wonders, glory in his holy name. Let the heart of those who seek the Lord be glad. Seek the Lord in his strength. Seek his face continually. Remember his wonderful deeds, which he has done, his marvels and his judgments from his mouth. O seed of Israel, his servant, sons of Jacob, his chosen ones, he is the Lord our God. His judgments are in all the earth. Remember his covenant forever. The word which he commanded to a thousand generations, the covenant which he made with Abraham and his oath with Isaac. He also confirmed it to Jacob for a statute, to Israel for an everlasting covenant, saying, To you I will give the land of Canaan as a portion of your inheritance. When they were only a few in number, very few, and strangers in it, 
and they wandered about from nation to nation and from one kingdom to another people. He permitted no man to oppress them, and he reproved kings for their sakes, saying, Do not touch my anointed ones, and do my prophets no harm. Sing to the Lord all the earth, proclaim good tidings to his salvation from day to day. Tell of the glory among the nations, his wonderful deeds among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He also is to be feared above all the gods. For all the gods of the people are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and joy are in his place. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the people, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory do his name. Bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in holy array. Tremble before him, all the earth. Indeed, the world is firmly established. It will not be moved. Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. Let them say among the nation, the Lord reigns. Let the sea roar in all it contains. Let the field exult in all that is in it. Then the trees of the forest will sing for joy before the Lord, for he is coming to judge the earth. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, and his loving kindness is everlasting. Then say, save us, O God, of our salvation. Gather us and deliver us from the nation to give thanks to your holy name and glory in your praise. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Then all the people said, Amen, and praised the Lord. Verse 37, So he left Asaph and his relatives before the ark of the covenant of the Lord to minister before the ark continually as every day's work required. And Obed-Edom and his relatives, Obed-Edom also the son of Jethunan and Hoash the gatekeepers. He left Zadok the priest with his relatives and the priest before the tabernacle of the Lord in the place which was in Gibeon to offer burnt offerings to the Lord on the altar of burnt offerings continually morning and evening, even according to to all that was written in the law of the Lord, which he commanded Israel. With them were Heman and Jeduthun, and the rest who were chosen, who were designated by name, to give thanks to the Lord, because his loving kindness is everlasting. And with them were Heman and Jeduthun, with the trumpets and cymbals, and those who should sound aloud, and with instruments of songs of God, the sons of Jeduthun, for the gate. Then all the people departed each to his house, and David returned to bless his household. These two chapters actually made a quite an important impression on me. Um, really in, emphasized, or I should say, re, reinforced the power of God working through His Word and the truth of God. Just like my experience on the ship, seeing the waters become calm just as the bible said that that sailors cry out and, and pray and they got answers well this first chronicle 16 really blew my mind because i was on a worship team in our um, previous church in santa fe new mexico and we had a large worship team great worship team wonderful people and we were just at a a little bit of a crossroads in the worship team the pastor really wanted us to get a little bit more serious uh about our um our worship, and um, kind of evaluate whether we were to be there or not, um, whether that was 
something we were feeling the Lord was really calling us to because some things were going on in the worship team at that time which were causing some issues and so it was one of those times we all got together we were we were having a week where we needed to work some things out well during that week right before we had our our uh, worship practice and our meeting with our worship leader i had a dream and in the dream i i mentioned this when we we were in uh i think first Chronicles six because it's similar but this was the chapter specifically 16 but 15 also feeds into 16 but in i woke up not remembering anything about the dream, but First Chronicles 16 was imprinted on my mind. It was just there, First Chronicles 16. And why that was so weird is because I didn't have a clue what First Chronicles 16 was about. I didn't even remember reading First Chronicles 16 in the entire previous year. It wasn't like I just read it the week before. I didn't have any clue what it was about. So I went, wow, that is weird. I never have a wake up with a verse and a chapter on my mind. So I immediately went to it and I read it and I went, oh, verse 41. Each of those who were to be ministering before the Lord were called by name, by God, to minister before him. And I thought, man, is that scary? Is that scary? Because God is a present God. He's a living God. And so when I went to the to the meeting that night and sitting around, I, I shared it with everybody. I said, look, I don't know what to do with this, but God showed it to me. And I'm just saying, this is blowing my mind that God is here. And he is not the God of the Old Testament. He's the God of the New Testament. He's a God that, that's alive. He's, he's ever living. And he, he's where we are, two or three, he's here. And the fact that we're doing worship together we need to understand that God has called us by name. He knows each one of us. So we better take our calling seriously. And that had a kind of a transformative effect on me to realize it's not casual, the worship of God. And see, that's what David was doing when he first moved the ark. To him, the worship of God at that point, or the presence of God, you might say, was casual didn't deny it. He loved God. Everything was, I mean, he wanted to honor God, but he was being very casual about it. And and God was saying, no, I'm holy God. And there needs to be an understanding that he is the one truth and power in this universe. There's no greater power in the entire universe. And they were kind of treating the ark as a thing. We're going to move the thing over to Jerusalem. Just put it on a cart. It's a, it's a box. And God wanted to get them the understanding, know that I have decided to manifest my presence here. And you don't just try and put me in your pocket and take me somewhere and pull me out when you want me. It is falling before the throne of God and asking his blessing and asking him if he would go with us and us following him by the power of the Holy Spirit and us letting him lead us, not us trying to drag him around like some, uh, like one of the gods. Just to see, the Canaanites did that. The Canaanites. We just read on Wednesday when the Canaan, when the Philistines got whipped by David, um, when he finally became king, established in in Jerusalem. That once he won the battle, they abandoned their gods. They just took off. They were like, yeah, they're just, they're just gods. That when we want them, we worship them. But when we don't want them, we throw them away. And Yahweh was saying, I'm not like that. I'm not at, like any of the other gods. So First Chronicles 15 and 16, pretty amazing. 
that God, uh, well, that David now gets it. He gets it. This is how we're supposed to handle God. He's starting his kingdom. He's starting to be the king of Israel. He realized, hey, if I'm going to lead these people, I need to lead them as unto the Lord and, and be reverent and respectful and be humble before my God. And this is what he does. So he calls all of the Levites. He just goes overboard. He gets all of the tribes together, all the musical instruments. He sacrifices, you know, and we'll see. They go a few steps and they sacrifice again. They go a few steps and sacrifice again. He says, I'm going to do it right this time. I'm going to give God honor and glory and invite him to come to Jerusalem and seek his, his I guess, his presence seek him and seek him his desire and his will that he would come and dwell in Jerusalem. So it's it's a great exhortation for us that as we walk with Christ and we have a relationship with Christ Jesus it is different it's 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 different in the sense that we we serve the God man Jesus Christ who came to earth but we still need to maintain that sense that he's not just there for our crisis. He's not just there to bless us and just call upon him when we feel lonely or when we want something and try and just drag him around to make our life better. We have to come before him broken. We have to come before him worshiping. We have to understand that he's holy and we come before him that way and then we will know that he is he is active in our life and we'll see him work. And this actually dovetails into Psalm 1, what, what it is to know God, what to worship, uh, and what it is to worship God the, with the right knowledge of God is so important. Psalm 1 says, How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree firmly planted by the streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and its leaf does not wither. And in whatever he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but they are like the chaff, which the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. And the way of the righteous was exactly what David was doing. It was honoring the holiness of God, and it was meditating on him. David was wrote over 75 psalms, and there's a number of psalms, 50 at least, that are um, not named. So he wrote probably a, a hun, over 100 psalms. And in those psalms, you see him meditating on the word of God, meditating on the goodness of God, giving thanks to God. And he was that tree planted by the brook, which, which God blessed. And this is what God is calling us to as well. So now, the last chapter of the book of Matthew. This is the, the great chapter of the Great Commission. This is what has driven myself and so many people into the mission field. It's a phenomenal chapter. This is Jesus's, so to speak, parting words on the earth, when his feet were still on the earth anyway. Um, and this is um, one of those chapters that I just encourage you to meditate on and read and take it in because it's it's so beautifully written and powerful in in what it's saying just the whole idea of the resurrection and why we are 
who we are, why we do what we do, and how real it is. Matthew 28, now after the Sabbath, as it began to dawn towards the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to look at the grave. And behold, a severe earthquake had occurred, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled away the stone and sat upon it. And his appearance was like lightning, and his clothing as white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him, and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus, who has been crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come, see the place where he was laying. Go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. And they left the tomb quickly for fear and great joy and ran to report it to his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and greeted them. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshiped him. And Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and take word to my brethren to leave for Galilee, for there they will see me. Now while they were on their way, some of the guard came into the city and reported to the chief priests all that had happened. And when they had assembled with the elders and consulted together, they gave a large sum of money to the soldiers and said, You are to say, The disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. And if this should come to the governor's ears, we will win him over and keep you out of trouble. And they took the money and did as they had been instructed. And this story was widely spread among the Jews and is to this day. But the eleven disciples proceeded to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had designated when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some were doubtful. And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So the death, burial, resurrection, and here really is just the resurrection of Jesus Christ um, being set free, overcoming death, coming out of the tomb and ministering to these women and telling them, go tell my disciples, I'm going to go meet with them. I want them to come and meet with me. He wanted them to understand that he was alive, and that he is resurrected and get them to understand they were now to walk by faith, not by sight. This was important for them. Jesus kept appearing to them, as we know, on and off for about 50 days. And they could not really process it all. How do we understand that Jesus is here one moment, that he, minute and he's not here? He was in his glorified body, which had the ability to manifest instantly and disappear. Um, instantly, he was, as is the angels now. And so... It was this slow process of weaning the disciples off of his physical presence as well as the women, but his love never left them, nor his presence. He said he would never leave them, forsake them. And so this is why essentially we see the transition for him in waiting for the coming of the Holy Spirit. And so he and the Holy Spirit trade preeminence. I don't want to say position per se, but now he says, I want you to focus and I'm going to be 
manifested my presence through the, through my Holy Spirit. In a sense, we can say that Jesus himself was the Holy Spirit. We know the three are one, but you know they have different roles. So it's uh, pretty it's pretty amazing to think how he did that out of the love for the disciples, why this happened and needed to happen this way. But the important thing that he said to them, now that I am transitioned, no longer physically with you, the one guiding them, walking around the Sea of Galilee and preaching the gospel and spreading the message of peace, he says, now I want you to be that. You are to be the little Christ, which is what the name Christian means. The little Christ-like ones. I want you to be my hands and feet. And I want you to go into all the world and to baptize, and unashamedly, I say, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. We get our friends in the King James Only movement said, no, I, we had a revelation that we're supposed to be baptized in the name of Jesus only because of this one scripture verse. Um, fine, if that's what they want to do. I love the name of Jesus, never deny the name of Jesus, but Matthew is very clear, and he recorded what Jesus says. So we are to baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. If that's the name we've been baptized in, own it, love it, because that is how we baptize and how we should baptize, in my opinion, according to Scripture. If you've never heard the controversy, don't worry about it, but there's a lot of controversy in certain churches about that. So there is Matthew 28 had a big effect on me, and um, take it to heart, pray about it. We are to do that commission. We are to take that commission and take it seriously to go into all the world. And thank you guys in the evangelism team because you are doing that. And those of you who are sharing your faith where you are at work with your family, that's who we are, part of the Great Commission. All right, um, now Charles Spurgeon, no cause to blush, Isaiah 54, 4. Fear not, for thou shalt not be ashamed, Isaiah 54, 4. We shall not be ashamed of our faith, Carping critics may assail the scripture upon which we ground our belief. But every year the Lord will make it more and more clear that in his book there is no error, no excess, no omission. It is no discredit to be a simple believer. The faith which looks alone to Jesus is a crown of honor on any man's head and better than a star on his breast. We shall not be ashamed of our hope. It shall be even as the Lord has said. We shall be fed, led, blessed, and rested. Our Lord will come, and then the days of our mourning shall be ended. How we shall glory in the Lord, who first gave his living hope, and then gave us that which we hoped for. We shall not be ashamed of our love. Jesus is to us the the altogether lovely and never, never shall we have to blush because we have yielded our hearts to him. The sight of our glorious, well-loved will justify the most enthusiastic attachment to him. None will blame the martyrs for dying for him. When the enemies of Christ are clothed with everlasting contempt, the lovers of Jesus shall find themselves honored by all holy beings, because they chose the reproach of Christ rather than the treasures of Egypt. Man, that's powerful. How beautiful, and, and how I, that draws my mind right away into the, 
and to the believers right now in the world that are making that stand in the midst of totalitarian regimes in Russia and China and North Korea and those that are making a stand on college campuses the in the middle of Washington where people are constantly maligning Christians and laughing at Christians. And Renee and I were just listening last night on a program where now the new the new uh, attacking kind of, uh, what would we call it, strategy, because the whole racism thing isn't really working well. Now the new thing is moving over to uh, white Christian nationalism, that the real terror, the terrorists in, in the United States are those white Christians. They're this, they're the, they're worse than anybody that burns down cities and, you know, terrorizes and, and, um, and has all the looting and everything going on like that. We've got to take care of them. They're the ones we got to worry about, um, and arrest or whatever and be against. And so it's going to be continually harder and harder to, to stand up and say, I'm just a patriotic citizen that loves my country. And I believe Jesus is Lord and Savior. My goal is to love people into the kingdom. <laughs> My goal is to help you out of darkness and to show you God's love and mercy. And yet now that is becoming, or at least targeted, if not directed towards being illegal. And so Charles Spurgeon here has some wonderful words that no matter how bad it gets, we'll never be embarrassed of it. We'll never be dishonored by it god is going to continue to make his word more and more real more and more true as we go through and scholars are learning more about archaeology and more about history and all these other things we found we find out that the bible is more and more affirmed than we ever even thought it was they're now finding more and more archaeological evidence that david was the king of the city of david they're finding names they're finding all kinds of things which are verifying these things they're found a temple coin up in archaeology and different things phenomenal things that they're finding so don't let anybody ever try and uh malign your faith or discourage you or or make fun of it uh saying you're believing in archaic uh religion and following after a weak god or whatever it is uh, we know the power of our God, and we honor him, and we love him, we serve him. So let's go ahead and pray with that encouragement for today, and it's a good encouragement. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this morning and the encouragement we get from Charles Spurgeon. There is no shame in the gospel. There's no embarrassment in the God that we serve. We have a mighty God and a loving God who rose from the dead and cared enough about his disciples that he went to them. He went to them and told them that he wanted to come and meet with them and fellowship with them and showed them how they could rely on him in the spirit world, that he would never leave them or forsake them. And we know that he does not. We know that he is here. He is with us. So we thank you, Holy Father, precious Jesus. We thank you for this morning and your presence and your guidance in our life and give us that sense throughout the entire week, but especially leading up to tomorrow. Help us just bring that into our worship of you, knowing that you, you know us in our worship, that you want us, God, to be your ministers. You know each one of us by name. And what a beautiful thing. And you have something special for each one of us. So continue to develop our gifts, God. Give us the, the hearts of evangelists. Give us the heart to share 
and um, not be ever ashamed of the gospel, but to simply be um, loving, but to be bold. So thank you, God. And we do want to look forward to the healing that you're doing in Juan Carlos in Mexico City. We keep that before you, God, because we know that he is going to be healed. So we look to see how you're going to do that and when in your timeline. We ask you to give us a little bit more insight and understanding to that. So thank you. And uh, we have a number of people, God. We um, we know that need prayer. We want to lift up before you. So um, we just, God, will will bring before you Karen Skoog as well and her need for getting through her cancer. Um, we're praying for Flora's cousin, um, Ceci, with her cancer, Father. I know it's got to be painful. It's a pretty young woman, God. And so ask you to, to, to touch her body, bring her into full healing. And um, we pray for Becky, uh, Roberto's daughter, that she would just surrender her heart completely to you, Father, that things going on in her body would just be healed up and she would realize that you're the God of her salvation and help her remember her youth, remember the times she was with us and the way you touched her life back then, God. Continue to just open up your word to her and show her, God. We pray for um, Ariana in rehab, um, who is a really wonderful young woman, God who just is, has a beautiful heart. And we pray, God, that you would touch her and um, help her to overcome past hurts and past just sad things in her life so that she could let go of those things and that she would fully embrace you and that you would be the God of her healing. Because, Father, things happen when we're young. That's not fair. We know that. But we ask God that you would do a, a mighty work in her life for healing as she's in rehab. So thank you for her, Father. Thank you for the uh, evangelism team as well. Um, for the various people that they ministered to, as I have a whole list here, for uh, one, oh, a, a woman and her friend, Jadi, um, they have a number of things that have gone on in their life. God, we want to pray for them. We want to pray for Jose, Jose that the word was planted in his heart from the evangelism team, that it would take root, that it, it would ha have, you know, a, an effect. And um, pray for Ugo, um, who had a, oh, a small accident in his motorcycle. I didn't know about that. Just pray that you would help get him healed up in his motorcycle. He seemed okay on Wednesday night, but if he, it was after that, God, to pray for that. And we want to pray for Lily, Yuvia's um, mom, for her trip to, to Mexico City. That would be a blessing for her. And for all the, the, um, the little tracks that were passed out. And so um, we pray for guidance for Ugo as he wants to help guide that group and the evangelism team. We pray for anybody who wants to help. We want to pray for uh, Dean and his family who wants to come down here and help the evangelism team. You'd help them sell their house and help them get well, help them deal with all of the financial issues that they have to deal with up there. And uh, all of the people that, that heard about your word through the evangelism team, God, thank you. Thank you that, that they heard it and now just use it for your kingdom 
plant that seed as they went out and help us be able to bring them to a point where we can baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So we yield those things to you, God. We thank you, and we give you the rest of this day in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, thank you, guys. <laughs> I'm going over a little bit these days, but that's okay. Uh, we've got to get started on the Spanish, so thank you for being with us. And God bless you. We will see you tomorrow in church. We're going to be back in church at 9 o'clock. So if you're here in town, please come. We need to be building up the body physically. We want to get lazy and sit around in our homes when we have the ability to meet together because we are called by name and you are someone God wants to use to encourage someone else. So come to church if you're here. We'll see you tomorrow at 9. Bye-bye. Oh, you know what? And I forgot... Uh, some of you were screaming in your minds, what about tomorrow in the reading? So I heard you. Um, tomorrow is Psalm 2, Psalm 15, Psalm 22, 23, 24, Psalm 47, Psalm 68, and Mark 16. That's a lot of Psalms. So here are the Psalms. Psalm 2, 15, 22, 23, 24, 47, 68, and Mark 16. If we get a chance, we'll, we'll put that out um, on, a, on the text or something on WhatsApp. And I will also make a podcast 